Say, kids, what time is it? Time for another episode of Brio TV, the podcast. I'm your host, Bill Brio, and this episode is brought to you by Hollywood Suite, CTV, and Super Channel. Now, my guest has been making Canadians laugh for many, many wonderful years. She created and starred in the long-running political satire. This hour has 22 minutes, and it's also been brilliant in such comedies as Hatching, Matching, and Dispatching, as well as dramas and feature films such as The Grand Seduction. Now she's back with the second season of The Mrs. Downstairs. Please welcome the hilarious Mary Walsh. Mary, lovely to see you again. Yes, nice to see you too, Bill. Um, my God, I laughed and laughed at uh, the Mrs. Season Two. I watched all seven episodes. It's outrageous, and uh, I, I want to thank you for uh, a lifetime of pointing out the ridiculousness of life. Right? <laughs> I guess you know. You just um, thank you for saying that. I, I, um, um, I don't know what makes me do that, but. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, in my old age, maybe I'll be kinder, more compassionate, more gentle, and stop pointing out things. <laughs> I don't think so. I hope not. And um, no. I think, in fact, actually, I wanted to ask about that. Do you think as you get older, you get braver or less fearless, or um, or or is it the other way around when you're younger? I- you know, I just think that, uh, you know, uh, you did ask me what I think, and so I'm going to tell you, but I think that uh, as you get older, you get less judgmental, which is hard in comedy because there is a certain amount of harsh judgment that is in required in pointing out, you know, the ridiculousness. But you get less judgmental simply, you know, n- not on, from any effort on your part, simply because you've been through it and you've gone through it yourself and you've done it and, you know, like the all you got to do is – fix that problem you know like that's such a you just think oh geez we really tried hard but (laughs) and we threw a lot of money at it and we threw a lot of people and a lot the best people of our generations and yet here we are you know so you come to see certain realities right but i don't think it takes away um your uh, comedic take on things i mean you may get a little I don't know, you know, less expecting the problem to be solved or something, you know, that I, I'm not sure. Less judgmental, I think, maybe. I think you're right. I think when we're young, we think we know everything. And then the older we get, the less we know. And, you know, it, it, you get a, you do get to be less judgmental. That's true. But sometimes when I'm writing, I try to stifle the urge to be less judgmental. <laughs> you know, like you, you have to keep that edge, right? Yes, I know. But I don't think that, um, do you know, I, I, um, I'm just thinking of other other art forms besides comedy where, you know, say Monet, you know, his eyesight started to go and some of his most, is it Manet or Monet? I never know. But one of them, uh, you know, he did the, all those. The water lilies. You know, it's the washes. And those are the ones that are the most popular and the, mean the most to people. And people see all that, that in those, right? And those are the ones where he was um, painting what he could see and he couldn't see very much. And so I, I try not to go against myself. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I try yeah. to just go along with myself and, and where I am, kind of, you know? 
Yeah. Well, it's it's certainly working with the Mrs. Uh, downstairs. <laughs> is, is she based on I anyone? I am so mean. And then we met the Mrs. You know, we took her out to lunch. And she's so nice. She's just like one of those Newfoundlanders who's like, um, you know, um, Oh, what is his name? Uh, Rick uh, Hillier always says Newfoundlanders, they're not that friendly. They're just nosy. Right. And um, and and she, you know, she wanted to get to know Dave, you know, the real missus. And she was just really interested. But I have a certain edge that doesn't seem to go anyway. Uh, I don't have to worry too much about it because I realized kinder person to the real Dave than I was to the fictional John. You know what I mean? That I right. um, yeah, that I was a lot harder on John than she was on Dave. So we're, we're talking about uh, Dave Sullivan, who is uh, who performs with you on The Mrs. Downstairs. Just for people who may not be familiar, this is set uh, in a God's country, isn't it? The, the, the shots of the coast of Newfoundland where this is uh, uh, shot is just breathtaking. Uh, it is, isn't it? It's so beautiful. But Dave was getting a... Um, a, a kick upstairs, not a kick upstairs, that's saying it wrong. He was getting a promotion and they were moving him to Moncton. So he sold his houses and I always say uh, he left his girlfriend, but actually his girlfriend left him, but don't tell Dave that I told you. <laughs> and uh, and he was all ready to go to Moncton and then the pandemic hit and he had nowhere to live or anything, so he decided he was going to find the silver lining and he decided to get a house right on the coast, uh, which is what he always wanted, just him and the sea, you know what I mean? And it was yeah. in lockdown and things and so he took it sight on scene and then and everything is exactly as he imagined it was until the next morning when he walks out on the balcony and a voice says, you're up early. And he goes, oh, he- hello. Uh, are you uh, do you uh, live next door? Said, no, I live downstairs. I've been here eight years. He had no idea that Mrs. was living in the basement. And she was like one of those people. She's out on the her deck smoking all the time. So even when he went to when he would go to um, uh, to exercise, to weightlifting in the morning, five or six o'clock in the morning, there she'd be. Where are you going to the gym? Are you want to go down to the gym? What are you uh, on the treadmill? No, I lift weights. Oh, weights. You're heavy. <laughs> so she was always there coming and going. And so after a while, of course, a relationship did develop, you know, of some sort. And uh, but it was based on on Dave's re- Dave Sullivan's real uh, experience. And then we fictionalized it and, you know, changed it up and things like that. There's one uh, moment where he goes downstairs early to go out and there's no one downstairs. And he, th- and he says, geez, I better buy a lottery ticket. Uh, you know, <laughs> I know, I know, believe I know. He was able to make a getaway. Um, <laughs> do, do, do you think, Mary, there's um, that, uh, oh, my goodness, now, that we're seeing a little bit more of this on television where there's shows that have uh, this generational mix where you have um, a, an older person and a younger person, uh, a millennial and a boomer, uh, to generalize. And uh, yeah. there's something fascinating about those relationships, aren't there? Isn't there? Well, for sure. I mean, there is, I don't know if you've noticed this, Bill, but on Canadian television, there seems to be no old women. I don't know what happened to all the old Canadian women. There are old British women on all the time. They're yeah. they're haunting BBC. And even they're now even old American women, you know, uh, people over 70, over 80. But there are no old Canadian women. I guess there is some Canadian disease that makes Canadian actresses <laughs> die at 50. Uh, but so, you know, all... 
human relationships are interesting. And if we cut out a whole generation, we cut out a whole uh, area of life, uh, you know, a whole area of, of interacting, you know, like, uh, um, you know, Dave's generation, uh, John in the, and the missus, uh, you know, there's, they have a different way of coming at things. They have a different understanding of things. And yet they're both human beings and, and, uh, there they are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, some of my favorite shows right now, I mean, there's the show Hack. I don't know if you've seen that one. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Or Only Murders in the Building, you know, where you've got this, these, uh, you know, the generations are thrown together. And I, I just think it's wonderful to explore that. Here you, you've got this uh, with the character um, uh, Dave or uh, up, uh, upstairs. And uh, it's it's fascinating. But my God, Mary, when you encounter a character all fully developed like that, that you can just seize upon and portray, that must seem like a, a gift from God, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, Dave and I wrote the scripts. And so, uh, you know, based on the first season, based entirely on Dave's uh, experience with the missus and the second season, we just made it up. And then I directed, which, uh, uh, you know, but it was it was easy because to a certain extent i and i say this with the greatest respect i have been playing an old bag since i was 18 <laughs> when i started in codco True. i realized that if i was going to continue to worry about how i looked or was some was i the object of anybody's desire or you know what i mean yeah. whereas if you were an old bag you could be the subject of your own life and so from that stage of this so it is a part i've practiced quite a bit well, that's true, Mary. And, um, you know, when you think back and you look at those characters, even from 30 years ago on uh, 22 Minutes or before that, Codco, where you're portraying older women, what, did you ever look at those and think, ah, you know, I got it a little wrong or, my God, I, I actually nailed it? Well, you know, I think I kind of, uh, I don't think I got it wrong. I think internally I may have thought that it was sad that they were this age. You know what I mean? Like there's all those songs like John Prine's song, Hello in There, waiting for someone to say hello in there. We're not. We're not waiting for anyone to say hello in there. Just keep on going. We're fine. We're fine. We're like, <laughs> we're having a bit of a rest. You know what I mean? We don't want anybody knocking on the door going hello in there. Uh it's like, you know, the, they've shown now in endless amounts of studies that older people are happier people, that there's a U bend, if you put it on a graph, towards a much happier old age. And certainly I can't speak in a generalized, you know, I haven't done the research myself, but for me, that has definitely been the case. So I think that, um, I think that, I don't think I really got them wrong. But I, I think I felt a bit sorry for them before. You know what I mean? Whereas now right. I feel much more, you know, at home. <laughs> yeah. No, they're yeah. fascinating. I My mom is quite uh, elderly. She's 98. She just had her 98th birthday the other day. And I visited her at uh, long-term care. And the wonderful thing I find there is that her she's not sure who I am much of the time. But she's still glad to see me. But she still has this sense of humor that never leaves and that is so wonderful right it uh yep. it, yeah it's a great great thing we'll be right back in just a moment with mary walsh
Here we are again with Emily Gagne from Hollywood Suite. Emily, can you believe it? It's December already. What What's the big news? I think there's something special happening at Hollywood Suite this December, right? You got that right, Bill. It is our annual free preview. We are free nationwide with uh, different cable providers across Canada. Uh, and, and the free preview runs from December 1st to January 5th, so the whole holiday season. Wow, let me get this straight. It's 100% free. I mean, it's already such a bargain, but now people don't pay anything? They don't pay anything. You just tune in. You can watch on our four channels, the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, or you can explore our on-demand selections. We have like hundreds of movies available there. Uh, It's quite a treat. We like to, you know, give people the gift of free uh, at the holiday season. Who doesn't love that? So tell me, what can people find under their tree then this month on Hollywood Suite to watch? Yeah, of course, we've got lots of like festive favorites, you know, stuff like Meet Me in St. Louis, Fiddler on the Roof, a personal favorite of mine, Black Christmas, Gremlins, Love Actually, The Holiday Carol, you know, all those, all those iconic holiday films. Well, that's pretty good. That's all this month on Hollywood Suite. And uh, listen, have yourself a wonderful Christmas season, Emily. Thank you. Same to you, Bill. Okay, take care. Here she is again, Mary Walsh. Now, uh, you know, the show is on Fibe TV, and um, my goodness, you know, there's so much television now. I can't keep up, but I'm supposed to. Uh, you know, there's so many streaming. Now we got fast channels, they're calling them. They're, this this one's like a not-so-fast not channel. Uh, you know, like, uh, how, how did it come to be part of that uh, platform on uh, Fibe TV? How did we get on there? Yeah. Oh, so Dave was uh, Dave Sullivan again, who plays John in in the series, was writing about his experiences with the missus on Facebook. And I was reading them and I was really enjoying them. And I wrote to him and I said, you know, I was born to play the missus and you're obviously you. We should do something with this. So we got together and it just seemed like it was going to be fun, you know. And I ran into Ruth Lawrence. Ruth and I were planning some kind of fundraiser. And she had done a lot of stuff with Five TV the year before because five had usually been running college football and college games and because of the pandemic they had to put take all that money that they were spending on on sport and put it into art which was you know and not that it was a lot of money anyway and there was not a lot of money that was a big thing i think that there wasn't a lot of money and so there was a lot of joy i don't know i mean that's not i I hate to make that thing because i have had money too and i've been joyful in there and i've had no money and i've been joyful but not having a lot of money not having a lot of expectations just having a lot of belief in the characters and the story and having a great team with us made uh, made it. Um, uh, we we contacted Five anyway. Ruth got us in touch with Paul Gardner at Five, and they they we had a couple of scripts done, and they really loved them. And so they said, uh, you know, go ahead. And then we were the most popular show, I think, the most watched show on Five. I don't know how many people watch Five. You know, God alone knows. Uh, it's free on if you have the Bell system, right? Yeah. Uh, so you don't have to pay extra for it or anything like that. It's like Gem. You know what I mean? It's free. Right. Yeah. But uh, there are no. I don't. I don't know if there are ads on Five. But anyway, uh, we went ahead and did it, and we had a very. Jo- um, 
I, I feel like Pollyanna or something, but we had a very joyful experience. You know, we had a brilliant T.O.P. We had fabulous people all over the place. We had a brilliant production manager. You know, we we uh, used my house out in Cachuzas as the production office and we managed to rent the house next door to use as the hero house. And, wow. you know, it was um, a great music as well, Mary. What? Great music as well. You know, you have oh all these Oh, my God. Alan Hocko yeah. and, uh, and Alan Doyle. Not Alan Hocko. Alan Hocko's extraordinarily talented brother, Greg Hocko. Yeah. And Alan Doyle did the music. Yeah, they yeah. were fa- fantastic. Yeah. yeah we, I mean, it was like falling into a wonderful situation, Bill. Can I say it? that without a whole lot of pressure like oh my god we're going to be you know uh, because where where you were doing it for 10 cents you kind of felt quite relaxed like nobody we're not you know well yeah. I, I would Im- imagine that you would get a far fewer notes from network executives in this situation right yes like <laughs> yes yes <laughs> that's true that's true so all in all a very joyful experience and uh, the, the person we were working with at five really uh, tremendously supportive and and stuff like that i found the same thing over at jim because i did a series with kathy jones called broad appeal over there they yeah. actually said things because it's such a small amount of money they occasionally the network or the gem executives occasionally say to you is that enough money do you need another bit of money (laughs) really (laughs) wow that's pretty good i know because it's not a whole lot of money if you know what i mean you know well it it shows though what you can do with a little money and um it's remarkable really i mean um and we'll talk about i want to ask first to go back just about um dave sullivan you mentioned that you saw his him writing about the missus on uh, Facebook and social media. Um, when did you first, were you aware of him when he was uh, doing comedy in a troupe? Uh, when did you first oh, yes. encounter him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, w- w- the, you know, Johnny Harris, who was in Hatching, Matching and Dispatching, yeah. and Steve Cocker and I've worked with before. I just never have worked with Dave before, but I'd gone to all their shows when they were the uh, Newfoundland Dance Party. Yeah. You know, but I didn't know him as well as I knew some other people, you know, yeah. and uh, and Dave had gotten out of comedy and into advertising. Wow. And now he's out of advertising and into, uh, you know, uh, stopping people from um, uh, human trafficking. Uh, there's some, yeah. So, you know, serious work. And um, but anyway, he's a very, very funny guy. Uh, you know, he ran when he was in high school, he borrowed, you know, he went to drive a Volvo. I don't know why they gave him the Volvo and he drove it into the school. (laughs) And then that's not bad enough. And then, you know how you always say, I'm going to run away. I'm just going to run away. He actually ran away. He actually went to Toronto and lived in Toronto for six months on his own when he was a high school student. So quite a remarkable. Yeah. He's a remarkable guy. (laughs) Yeah. No, and, and Bill, can I say something too about the only reason that we can do this is because, like Sherry White said to me the other day, we should get an Oscar in this community just for community, like for the film and television community in St. John's and in Newfoundland generally. It's so. People are so good. You know, if they're not working on, you know, say, um, Hudson and Rex or yeah. Surreal Estate or or one of the bigger shows that's going on, they <laughs> will come and work for, you know, uh, uh, 
a fraction of what they would normally be paid because they want to be involved. They want to help out. I've never yet asked anyone in the sound or grips or, you know, production or anything for anything that they haven't said yes with a heart and a half if they could do it, you know? Oh, yeah, it's remarkable. Any chance I get to go to St. John, uh, John's, I'm there uh, on, in the next plane. It's uh, such a wonderful experience. But creatively, just being on the set of Hudson and Rex, and I had this great chance to travel with them to those uh, islands, those French islands uh, off oh, the coast. Oh, to Saint-Pierre Miquelon. Yes. Uh-huh. And, and, and so I got there and I spent a day with these guys and Paul Pope, who I had not met at this point. And my God, he was intriguing and fascinating right away. And so sad, such a loss. Uh, you must have encountered him many times over the years. Um, oh. What was that loss like for you? Oh, major. Like, okay. So Paul Pope, he was younger than us. So we already had Codco on the go by the time. And then Nifco got on the go. And he was young then. And his brother Dave, who had some sort of neurological disorder, Paul was sort of in charge of him. And so Paul was always taking Dave in and out of the wheelchair and to meetings and stuff like that. So very early in his life, he was giving. Now, he used to pretend like that he was he was a bit of a hard arse. But he was like the LSPU Hall, which really the Resource Center for the Arts, it needed to be redone. Paul got on the the rebuilding committee, basically, you know, was the building manager. NIFCO, all the equipment at NIFCO, Paul could have been getting grants and getting all that stuff together for Pope Productions. But no, he got it together for NIFCO just before he died. He did all this work towards getting a film and television school on the go at Kona here. The uh, 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 That was the day he d- the day he died, that was opening. So he has given endless, like he, whenever I, I just, I, whenever I need, whenever I think, what, what should I do? I think, well, I'll just call Paul, see what he says, because he always had such great advice. And um, the last film I did with Mary, Mary Sexton and I did um, uh, Christmas Fury, um, and and Paul came on and produced with us, and we, and it was just such a joyful. He was just like, like one of those guys, you know. Sometimes as an Irish person, I think, and maybe it is my own fault and I can't blame it on the Irish. I think, <laughs> oh, no, a problem. Oh, this is no good. will come at this. The, you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. Paul would go, a problem. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, let's get at her, you know. And it was so wonderful to I, I, yeah. um, have that in your life, you know. I was so lucky. I was I was so lucky and glad to spend a little bit of time with him that day, and uh, it just seemed like this man had set this table for all of us to do things, and uh, he yeah. was very quiet about it. And but uh, I knew it had been so much work, and had had to have gone into bringing that to that point, and I uh, really admired him. Bring it home, bring it home. He used to say to people, don't like if you're on the Arts Council, Canada Council or anything like that, just bring the money home. I don't care if you don't like Shirley, get that money, get it home, bring that money home. Right. Like if yeah. you're on the telephone thing, bring the money home. Even if you're in if you're in a competition with this other person, get that money back here. It will do us all good. He was a big believer in uh in a in a big a large raises all boats, you know, a, yeah. a high yeah. sea raises all boats. He was a wonderful, wonderful man. Well, you uh, feel- sorry about that. Well, I just miss him so much, and I, yeah, you no, know, because you do go on and you 
you know, you forget that you had that in your life, you know? Uh, yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to, to, uh, no, you know, that's I just, okay. I, that's all right. I, I, I don't mind. You, I, I'm glad to. Glad I knew to. you would have a, a wonderful way to pay tribute to him. Don't go away. We'll be back with Mary in a moment. And still not that old She's just gray at the edges But years do take toll But she's just as good, boys, as she used to be CTV has everything on viewers' wish list this holiday season. Let's start with Jan, alone for the holidays. Jan Arden is back with a Christmas episode of her comedy series. On it, she'll sing some holiday favorites with special guests Michael Boublier and Brian Adams. See it Friday, December 9th with an encore Christmas Eve. Then there's the holiday baking series, Cross Canada Bake Off. Watch as Mary Berg and Andrew Hahn judge holiday-themed cakes from bakers across Canada. The four-part series begins December 15th on CTV. Another chef goes looking for Santa Claus's house in Gordon Ramsay's road trip, Christmas Vacation. The December 17th special finds Ramsay and pals deep in a winter wonderland. Watch to see if he shouts obscenities at any of Santa's elves. Now, if you missed the 118th annual Santa Claus Parade, you can stream it online anytime on ctv.ca or at the CTV app. Host Melissa Grello, Kelsey McEwen, and Tyrone Edwards are along for the ride and John Legend is among the international acts. Finally, CTV is the home of Christmas-themed episodes of everything from the Goldbergs, the Connors, Call Me Cat, the Masked Singer, and even the Lego Masters Holiday Bricktacular. Get into them all this month on CTV, CTV ctv.ca, and the CTV app. Once again, Canadian treasure... Mary Walsh. And let's talk about another old friend uh, in, the, in the Christmas episode of The Mrs. Downstairs. We see Andy Jones. My God, this story is so outrageous and ridiculous and fun. Um, it must have been just a blast to play with him uh, for those days that you uh, made this episode, right? Oh, yes. It was wonderful. You know, um, when Andy and I started working together, I guess I was 20 and maybe Andy was 25. So it's 50 years ago, you know, and we were in Codco all those years back and forth when we were a theater troupe and then when we were on TV. And so, you know, there's, you know, it's like going to your family for Christmas dinner. You are always the middle child or the oldest or the youngest or something like that. So it was with a little trepidation, you know, that that we went into it. Because like I said, it's been such a great experience all the time. But, oh, my God, we had such a wonderful time. And it was so great being back with Andy. And we laughed so much. And that's... Uh, which which was the way it was in uh, in Codco too. So it was uh, it was a fabulous a fabulous experience. And like five, we're doing a third season, and um, so five said, and you'll be bringing back Andy Jones. We went, oh yes, we'll be bringing back Andy Jones. You know, <laughs> so um, you know, so it, it really a great great. And uh, you know, to um, I'm not going to tell you know, but um, 
anything about the thing because then people will know already. Right. I, I'm just one of those people I want to, I'm trying to write a mystery, but I want to tell it right at the top. You know what I mean? I always want to tell everybody what's going to happen. And you go, and, and the editor goes, but if you tell everybody what's going to happen, why would they go on to chapter 10? I go, okay, 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 okay. I'll, I'll well, hide it. I'll hide that. <laughs> I, I, you, you can do it. It's been explained this way. It, it stops being a who done it? It becomes a how done it, I guess. If you give it away, ah, uh, yes, so yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. there's a way. Um, I guess there is, yeah. Well, I don't want to give it away either, but it's just fabulous to see the two of you in that scene in that episode. That's the Christmas, a Christmas to misremember. Um, and and just in terms of the process of, of making this, uh, Mary, a lot of the dialogue. I mean. I'm sure you've written it, a lot of it down, but boy, it sounds like you're just taking that moment and letting it rip uh, live, right? I mean, do you improvise a lot? I do, but we do write everything down. We have everything written down, but then when the scene's over, I just keep going, and sometimes it works. <laughs> oh, it's funny. It is And funny. sometimes it doesn't, you know. Um. And, and and you were we were talking about the community and the strength of it in Newfoundland, which is tremendous. Um, other folks got in touch with me on the same day that uh, about this this show. There's this uh, production uh, Jack TV, and I got an email from one of those guys saying, uh, um, you know, you got to Mary says to get in touch with you because you'll write about our show kind of thing. But you're mentoring these other guys for another series. It's also on Five TV. Um, you know. It's I can't. These guys are so damn lucky to have Mary Walsh directing and and mentoring them. Um, how important is that aspect of this to you? To be someone who is there to keep this uh, brilliant experiences happening all over. Well, it's really important to me, Bill. Sometimes I don't recognize it, but when I think about Paul Pope and I think of all the mentoring that he did, and when we were at Paul's funeral, of course, you know, people were saying, well, I never would be in this position if it wasn't for Paul. Paul took me aside and said, look, you're pretty smart. You know, you should get stopping PA. You should start going into, uh, you know, you should be a production, you know, coordinator, you know, and I, uh, you know, the amount of, uh, I don't know, I uh, I can only hope that I, but I love those guys, uh, the half handsome guys, and uh, they're very funny. They're very, very funny. And, um, and so I really enjoyed that working with them. And, you know, I had a terrible experience directing uh, when I was still, you know, you know, the fact is when you're, when you have a job, it's easy to get a job. When you don't have a job, it's not easy to get a job. So when I right. came out of this hour of 22 and I walked off there, I would directed this medium big, was big for the time, four million dollar movie called Triffy with a, um, a Montreal company. I really didn't know what in the name of God I was doing. It was a nightmare from beginning to end, uh, mostly my own fault. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was working with the producer. Whenever I would say anything, Denise would say, well, this is your first film. And um, I just won an Oscar and uh, I have uh, produced 29 films. So. You know, so there was like, you know, like it was it was like I don't blame that, but I didn't know how to be. Anyway, it was awful. And I just stopped after it. It was the Globe and Mail who usually gives at least a half a star. But I think Young Triffy was the only film they ever gave no stars to. But um, <laughs> everybody was in it. And it's really good. You know, it's. I think it's really good in some aspects. Film is so hard, isn't it? It's so well, goddamn hard so to make a good film. 
Oh, my God. But anyway, I had walked away from that and I was I thought, you know, and I just didn't have and I was destroyed, really. And then I finally got back on my feet again to to uh, direct this little film called Dad in the Fridge Box, which is just coming on Gem TV now. Wow. And it was a lovely little film and kind of sweet and everything like that. And um, then I did Mrs. And then the boys asked me to do that. So in a way, as much as I'm mentoring them they're helping me you know what i mean like i'm getting a chance to to do what i always wanted to do but kind of lost my nerve in a bad you know kind of had a bad experience and thought oh that's it for me then (laughs) it sounds very very exciting congratulations on all of the work that you've got right now it's fantastic and yeah you know i think back of my own um i used to do some stand-up with a friend uh comedy and we uh, made a few little things for Back then, it was community cable. You know, you could go to McLean Hunter community and make little shows. And same thing, no budget. Nobody was around. You did it in the middle of the night. But there was no Mary Walsh there to mentor, you know. Uh, and and I, I think these folks are tremendously fortunate that, that you're really, really making these dreams come true for them in such a fun way. So congratulations and- for that. Thank you so much, Bill. Yeah. Um, now, uh, and it was Stuart uh, Simpson was the, he wrote to me and he said he was the handsome half of half handsome <laughs> industries, handsome, yeah. uh, which is Jack TV. Just explain what Jack TV is. It's sort of like a $1.95 version of SCTV, isn't it? They're making up their own TV shows. Uh, except it's all, it's all that HGTV channels. Right. It's like where um, they had the money movie and stuff on SCTV and they did, they went all over the place, but this is just those home, you know, they're just those um, um, home uh, renovation. They're the renovation OCD. guys. They're those secondary yeah. channels. You know what I mean? Right. They have ghost shows and, and home renovations and pimp my car and those they're making fun of all those right or even and the paranormal the shows basic and things. story is quite serious i think is yeah. that jack who Stewart plays will do anything to get what he wants which is to be a television star in those you know secondary kind of uh, network kind of things and so he has all these he has these friends who he you know uses all the time relentlessly to get what he wants. Of course, he can't get what he wants, and then he loses them, you know? And I I, I think, like, to me, that's the whole story, like, that, that notion, that ambition, like, he has ambition that drives him to be... And even at the end, he... <laughs> kind of thinks this is where he's sobbing because he's left he's been left by everyone because this is good tv isn't it this is good tv and so his ambition you know like he's he's one of those guys and so they do all these uh you know they make all these on a dime like you said uh all these different shows like uh pimp my four by four and uh um paranormal one yeah they're ghost hunters yeah Yeah, i know it's fun and stuff like that yeah People can find that uh, now on 5TV as well. We'll be right back in just a moment with Mary Walsh. Well, Super Channel continues to keep spirits merry and bright this season with its annual Heart and Home holiday movie event. 
New festive titles continue to air every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night throughout December, right up until December 23rd. This season includes 26 movies new to Super Channel, including 12 festive films making their Canadian broadcast premieres. Among those movies is Baking All the Way, starring Yannick Besson, and also featuring Corey Lee, Colin Mockery, Deb McGrath, and Jane Eastwood. They're all always welcome. Other Super Channel festive films feature such familiar faces as Danica McKellar, Lacey Chabert, Chad Michael Murray, Jill Wagner, and our old pal Art Hindle. All movies will air commercial-free and will be available on Super Channel On Demand throughout the holiday season and beyond. Super Channel is available via most cable providers, as well as streaming via Amazon Prime Video and on Apple TV+. Here she is again, Mary Walsh. Before I let I you go, Mary, thank the- you for your generous, generous time here. Um, I want to ask a couple things about uh, this hour is 22 minutes. The 30th anniversary is this year. And they had a 30th special. And my God, they crammed in 30 years in 22 minutes. Um, my hat's off to the fellows who edited that. It was uh, like a magic trick. But um, you could have used another hour and a half to celebrate this show, right? Yeah, it was supposed to be an hour, you know, and those guys, they thought they had an hour and they were cutting for an hour. And then all of a sudden the CBC said, no, there's only a half an hour. And so they had to go and and it was hard to get it into an hour. You know what I mean? So they really were magical in order. You know, they had to they had to do some editing magic to uh, get it down to 22 minutes. Right. They sure did. Um, Yeah. You know, when you see folks like Pierre Polyev on the scene uh, politically, uh, make you want to slip back into Marge Delahunty, uh, and put the breastplate back on and the shield. Uh, what do you think? Oh, absolutely. Little pee pee. Oh my God. I'd love to, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, and you know, like there, I don't even know. Do they really believe in what they're saying or is it, are they just going, it's working down in the States Let's just do it. You know what I mean? Let's yeah. just pretend to do it. I mean, I, I just I just wonder, like, what whatever happened to all the red Tories? Remember the the the, the red Tories? Remember Joe that? Clark. Where did they go? Did yeah. they kill them all or something? Anyway, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, they're the red stained yeah. Tories now. You're right. Uh, no, yeah, I remember red the stained Tories. That's right. <laughs> Um, what, what are you what are you thinking? Uh, like, you know, the word satire you, usually scares people. But, you know, there seemed to be satire and farce were elements of 20 of 22 minutes. Right. Do you, do you define your comedy that way? What or what, what you're doing? Or are you just going for, um, you know, trying to expose what how, how ridiculous we all are all the time as human beings? Or, or do you see it as a satire? What do you what do you think? I, uh, you know, uh, the uh, uh, modest proposal that Buddy wrote, you know, back in the year, you know, 16 something or other, or maybe it was 17, I don't know. But it did make a difference. Uh, you know, the British Parliament did 
passed some laws uh, to, it, it, protecting the Irish who were starving. He suggested that um, that they should bring a lot of food to Ireland and fatten up the babies so that they could be fed to, you know, the poor English, right? Fatten up Irish babies. It was a modest proposal. And, of course, it caused a huge furor. But at the same time, it also made the British change a couple of laws. So I always think that satire does work. But then there, I was talking to Sherry White again the other night, and she was saying that uh, people who now believe in all these conspiracy theories, like that the Democrats are drinking children's blood and, you know, all that sort <laughs> right. of stuff, that satire does not work on them. Right. There is satire works on the people who already know that that's nonsense. Yeah. Satire and but satire doesn't work on the people who've made a commitment to this other reality, right? right. And and it just you just can't get them that way. But anyway, I've, I've always been a satirist, I think, and uh, yeah. that's the way I, I kind of I kind of lean that way. Uh, but I'm now I'm 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 having a rethink. You are. Well, I, th- yeah. I think satire, the, the challenge is it requires thinking from the people who are watching it. And there's not a lot of that going on, perhaps, in uh, people whose minds are already made up, uh, I, I suppose. Um, but of course, Bill, we've always had that, haven't we? I mean, that's yeah. just the way it's always been, you know. I mean, when with the smallpox vaccine, I mean, people were on the streets burning down government buildings to stop, you know, the smallpox vaccine uh, from being uh, given. You know, because yeah. at first they had to cut a little child's arm and then put cowpox in there. So people were up in arms believing that it was a conspiracy on the government's part to kill the poor, you know. Wow. And um, and but, you know, now we have no smallpox. I can't help but over notice. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> the government yeah. of, you know, had to be very brave at the time and continue on the path of what was right and for the public good. Right. Yeah, I don't it's, know. It's good to study history. You're right. I think yeah. it helps. Um, Mary, I have three questions that I want to ask, but I'm ticking off, uh, running out of time here. I've got like a 40 minute window and we're it's got three minutes and 44 left. Do, do you okay, have. I'll go fast. Okay. All right. So your favorite TV show on the air right now, is there something that you love and watch uh, right uh, that you binge right now? Slow Horses. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Tell me a bit about that. Slow Horses. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. It's based on, uh, you know, uh, Mick Heron's books, uh, British writer. It's MI5 or whatever they're called in Britain, the like the British CIA. And yeah. they have these people who've been thrown out and they're they're over in Slough Slo- Slo- House or Slough House. And, uh, and Gary Oldman runs it. And he's filthy, just oh, the most disgusting character. And they end up, you know, uh, getting in the way of uh, MI5 and solving all these things. It's, great. it's just quite good. Yeah. Yeah. And Gary Oldman, what a great actor. Yeah. Tremendous. Um, favorite show as a youngster? Was there a program uh, when you were growing How up? How young? You-, you mean Little Little, uh, Friendly Giant, and and uh, and uh, uh, Shea sh- Sure. Yeah, that's what I grew up watching. Friendly Giant. There was something about the Bob Omi, the the Friendly Giant, that I I'll never forget. He just talked to you as a youngster uh, individually. He was such a great broadcaster, wasn't he? Great communicator. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I remember that. Uh, and the little mouse, Susie the Mouse on Shea Helen. Um, now, your all-time favorite TV theme song. 
Oh, you know, Tommy could, Tommy had a, a, I guess he he must have had a photographic memory, Uh, but he could sing all the words. Like we can all sing, um, uh, uh, come listen to my story about a man named Jed, a poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed and can sing all that. We all know that. But Tommy could sing F Troop. All of F Troop from beginning oh to end. <laughs> We're talking about uh, but, Tommy, you know, Se- Tommy Sexton? Tommy Sexton, yeah, 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 yeah. He could sing all the songs. So I guess I'm going to pick F Troop just to remember Tommy. But, the you know, all the, I, I love a, a song at the beginning of TV shows. They're not popular anymore, obviously, but um, but still, yeah. they stayed they stayed with me all this time. Yeah. Well, the songs like F Troop and Gilligan's Island and Brady Bunch, they literally told you what the whole show was about before it even started, didn't they? Every time. Yeah. Um, Mary, listen, thank you so much for your time today. Congratulations on all the wonderful things you're doing. Uh, The show we're talking about, the Mrs. Downstairs people, please find Five TV, uh, cut the cord to every other subscription, just get Five, and um, you will love this show. It's And and these we're talking about short episodes. Is there any plan to sort of make this into a 90-minute movie, put it all together at some point? You could probably do that. I know. We've got to. When we finish the third season, yeah. Yeah, no, it's we'll it's a wonderful find some song. Connective tissue, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Congrats <laughs> on everything, Mary. Where time is almost out, and thank you so much for doing this today. I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Bill. Take care. Take care, you too. Mary Walsh's choice for her favorite all-time TV theme song is the opening theme to F Troop. The Civil War-based sitcom aired in the mid-60s and starred Ken Berry, Forrest Tucker, and an actor who just passed away last year at 99, Larry Storch. The series lasted just two seasons, one in black and white and one in color, but was rerun for years. The theme song was co-written by Irving Taylor and William Lava. Lava orchestrated much of the Looney Tune music that uh, you heard in Warner Brothers cartoons toward the end of their theatrical runs in the 50s and the 60s. As Walsh says, the lyrics to F Troop are memorable, if not especially politically correct. Give them a listen here. Where Indian fights are colorful sights and nobody takes a lickin'. Where pale face and red skin both turn chicken. As always, I'd like to thank Phil Hong for producing this episode, adding all the cool music and just generally making it better. I'd also like to thank Katie Brio for designing the Brio TV website. That's where you can read me daily on all things television. I'm also indebted to the many fine publicists who bring guests to this podcast each and every week. Finally, thanks to you for listening. Please spread the word with a like, comment, or a review. I'm Bill Brio. Thanks for listening.